Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the third Sunday of Easter, and we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which this week was Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. I've had two sermons on my heart this week as I've been preparing to preach this morning. One about hope and the other about the consequences of not recognizing Jesus in our midst. As I mulled over this passage from Luke's gospel again and again, it occurred to me that maybe actually what has been on my heart wasn't one or the other of these two, but rather how they might be related. When we encounter the disciples on the road to Emmaus this morning, it might help us to remember that while we are a couple weeks in our liturgical calendar beyond the joyful resurrection of Jesus, not to mention a couple millennia removed from the event itself, for these disciples, the pain is fresh. They were leaving Jerusalem the very same day that the women showed up to the tomb in the morning and found it empty. And it's not empty in a joyful, ain't-no-grave-gonna-hold-my-body-down sort of way. It's empty in a way that makes them curious and question whether any of it was real anyway. (laughs) It's hard to comprehend what this means for them. They've lost their beloved teacher, miracle worker, and friend a person to whom they devoted their entire lives to following, and most importantly, the person who they truly believed would redeem Israel, the Messiah. He's just gone. They had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. They had hoped that he would upend the power structures of their world and set their people free from the power of empire. They had hoped, as in they don't have that hope anymore. And that's a lot of hope to lose. I don't know if you've ever lost this kind of hope. Maybe in the death of a loved one who hadn't had the chance to experience all they wanted from life. Maybe the disintegration of a relationship that you thought would last a lifetime. Maybe the disillusionment with an institution that you believed could really make a difference in our unjust world. Maybe the revelation of a hard truth about someone you trusted. In my experience, losing this kind of hope leaves in its wake two things. Devastation and fear. Devastation over what has been lost and fear over what is to come. It's so devastating, in fact, for the disciples that that when evidence begins to emerge that Jesus might not be dead after all, they can't believe it. So devastating that when Jesus comes and walks alongside them, they don't recognize him. And for once, I personally don't think this is just a simple case of the disciples being frustratingly slow to understand something. 
This inability to recognize Jesus in their midst is a result of their lost hope. It's the result of having lost everything. It's the result of their wild hope being ripped apart at the seams and the uncertainty that it brings for the future. But regardless of how they got to that place, Jesus still appears to be frustrated that that's where they've ended up. Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Now, I don't know if I believe that Jesus could have predicted all that would happen after his death and resurrection. And I don't know that, if Jesus, that Jesus the man would even recognize the world in which we find ourselves today. But I do believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus knows the consequences that can happen when we fail to realize that he is in our midst. And not only that he's in our midst, but that he is a part of the very people we encounter in our daily lives. He says it himself in the 25th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they ask him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? Truly, I tell you, he responds, just as you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. And later, conversely, just as you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Whether it's because we, like the disciples, have lost all hope, or, if it's be or it's because we have let fear poison our hearts and turn them against our neighbor, or if it's because our human desire for power has begun to take hold of our actions, or it's simply because we have stopped trying to seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbors as ourselves. The results are still the same. When we fail to recognize that the stranger is the, the person in whom... When we fail to recognize that the stranger is the person in whom we meet Jesus, literally for the disciples, the consequences can be deadly. Jesus is the stranger on the road. He is the lost 16-year-old boy in Missouri who rang the doorbell of the wrong house to pick up his siblings, who's now in the hospital recovering from critical gunshot wounds. He is the 20-year-old woman in North Carolina who lost cell service and pulled into a driveway to turn around on her way to a party and never made it home. These are the deadly consequences of the slow deterioration of our ability to recognize Christ in our midst and to acknowledge him in the very essence of the people who cross our path. Because when it comes down to it, we can choose to see Christ in everyone we encounter. 
or we can choose not to. Sometimes it's easier than other times. And some people make it really, really hard. But we can choose to seek and serve Christ in all persons. It's a spiritual discipline that takes time, practice, and intention. But it's one that we must choose. And if we don't, we've seen this week just how far that thread can pull, unraveling every last shred of the reign of God in our midst. Because this is certainly not God's dream for us. God's dream for us does not include being gunned down for a simple mistake, and it certainly doesn't include being the one to pull the trigger. While there are certainly arguments that could be made here about gun reform and other socio-political realities to take into consideration, for followers of Christ, events like this are the natural outcome of spiritual crisis. It's easy to distance ourselves from events like we've seen this week, especially if we are nice people, especially if we don't own guns. But the reality is that when we stop meditating on the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, and when we stop holding our enemies in prayer, and when we get lazy about looking for and loving Christ in others, we are walking the same path that led to Ralph Yarl and Kaylin Gillis being shot this week. But on the other hand, when we engage in these spiritual disciplines, and when we keep Christ in the forefront of our interactions with family and strangers alike, I think that we will find some of that hope we've lost as it begins to come back to life. Because on the road to Emmaus and every road that we ever travel, Jesus promises to meet us there. Even when it takes us a minute to recognize him, and even when it feels like everything we believed in has died. Christ is alive, and we will find him if we look for him. But we must choose to look.